the New Media Consortium. The NMC is a consortium of more than 200 leading colleges, universities, museums, corporations, and other learning-focused organizations dedicated to the exploration and use of new media and new technologies. Welcome back to NMC Conversations. I'm Rachel Smith from the New Media Consortium. This is the second in our series of podcasts. And last time, the first one, we talked about what the podcasts were going to be like. Um, so I'm here with Alan Levine and Larry Johnson. Hi, guys. How you doing Hello. today? How are you doing, Rachel? I'm doing great. And both Alan and Larry are really active in NMC's uh, efforts in the area of virtual worlds. Um, as you probably know, NMC has been doing things in Second Life for over a year. Many people are aware of that. But what you might not know is that NMC's Virtual Worlds Unit has also been monitoring what's going on in other virtual spaces. So today we're going to talk a little bit about that. It has just joined us from a virtual space, right? Yeah. In fact, it's been uh, qu quite a busy day on campus, actually from... 1 to 9 a.m. we were hosting a stream, a live video stream from a uh, conference in the UK. And then around noon I was in Dan Zellner's theater acting class, which is really fascinating. He's teaching us kind of improv activities based upon his uh, Second City and likewise experience. And we're kind of learning uh, different kinds of movement and interactions uh, in sort of the Second Life mode. And we're yeah, using Dan's up at Northwestern, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, he's actually running two of these classes because he announced this one that we started in May, and there was some interest from some folks in Australia and that part of the world where the timing didn't work out. So he's actually running uh, two different classes. And he did tell me today that the Australian class, he kind of said they were better. <laughs> he didn't really use those <laughs> words, but he made it the, sound like... The students were better? He, yeah, he made it sound like the students were a little bit at a higher level. Um, so maybe he's just maybe that's a technique that you know theater people use to prompt their actors to work to a higher degree to get the best performance. Right. The things did you do in the class? They sound rather simplistic, but you know we actually do things which are kind of like you know follow the leader, and then there's this kind of uh, scripted ball that we do these exercises and passing it around, and you have to communicate and coordinate your movements to uh, pass the ball. And we sort of did some things with, with flying and trying to fly in formation. And then these activities where we're basically in an empty room, but we have to express with our um, movements and the direction of our look that we're perhaps trying to portray that we're in an art gallery. So you walk up to a wall and you spend time just with your avatar looking up. And then, you know, while you're doing <laughs> that, you can also zoom out and you can sort of get the experience of looking at the other six or seven people in the class and see if their movements give a sense that you are looking at people in an art gallery. I guess eyes on your own paper has a different meaning in a virtual yeah, world. definitely. You can kind of look around. <laughs> I think it's really fascinating that folks are wanting to express themselves in virtual worlds in this way. I mean, we, we know that uh, the art in Second Life has been has been quite expressive with, with artists like uh, Dan Coyote um, and the Zero-G Sky Dancers, and, and we've, we've always had a a good connection with the arts community in that world. But as we look at the challenges of doing the kinds of things that Stan's doing, it not only highlights um, the, the promise of these technologies, but it also underscores that we're really right at the beginning 
I think, of, of, of where we're going to ultimately find ourselves with virtual worlds. And so, as Rachel, as you alluded, you know, we've been really trying to, to make an effort to watch the kind of the developments that are going on in virtual worlds because it is such a compelling space and people really do like to get together. I like to compare um, the state of virtual worlds today uh, with two metaphors. One of them is that if you were to look at uh, a platform like Second Life, the Second Life client is a lot like the Mosaic browser in that it's the very first tool that we have to look into what I'm thinking of as a 3D web. And it's going to be a number of years before we're all using the 3D Firefox browser um, or that equivalent. And similarly, I, I like to think about where video games were. And so if you there's a video game that, that I think about a lot. I'm not a big video game player, but I've, I've watched this one. John Madden Football, um, you know, in 1995 was a very cartoony-looking flat kind of a game. It was uh, The strategy was good, so the game, the game itself was a fun game. But the graphics and the visualization and the way the players looked was not really terribly realistic. But if you look at John Madden Football today, uh, it's, it's, it's hyper-real. Yeah, you, you actually see the sweat on the brow of the players as they're lining up in the, uh, you know, on the um, for the for the plays, and and you know it's a very very realistic environment. And I think that what we're going to see as platforms emerge is going to be going that way. And so we wanted to talk about a number of these today. Um, and I'm I'm going to start off with just kind of a little survey, and then uh, why don't we just kind of talk about some of the pluses and minuses of some of these as we go along. How's that sound? That sounds good. I, I, I did want to say, Larry, there, there are some people who don't like that comparison between the web browser and Second Life being that the web is decentralized and kind of aroused upon from some agreed upon standards of users and some people seem to think Second Life is in the hands of Linden Lab. Um, at the same time, there was never a community that came and developed the environment and we started using Second Life because it was something out there we could get this experience in virtual worlds. If you if you look at the the technological comparison though I think is very apt because the the state of um, of the web browser at that time is comparable to the state of uh, any virtual world client at this time Second Life or otherwise so I, I agree that the the way it came about is not the same but I think te technologically it's a, a good comparison. Yeah, yeah, there's another dimension as well. If you roll the clock back to 1993, 1994, the big players for most people when they thought about the Internet were CompuServe and AOL. Most people didn't experience the real Internet until much later, you know, 1997, 98, even, even to 2000. Um, and people were working within these proprietary spaces. But I think it's a, I think it's a fair... Um, a fair point to make and so one of the things I'm really excited about is the work that's going on with MediaGrid. MediaGrid is an organization based at Boston College. It works with the Grid Institute and what they are trying to do is exactly that. They're trying to use internet and web standards uh, to create uh, a new set of standards that could be the 3D web. Um, and so what they're, they, they describe it as is the media grid's a computational grid platform 
that provides digital media delivery, storage, and processing services uh, you know, across a new generation of networks. They've got partners with Sun and, and uh, quite a few other uh, important uh, organizations like Singapore's Institute for High Performance Computing and, and so forth. Um, and those developments, I think, are really, really exciting. And so when I use that metaphor, I'm kind of looking past where we are today to where we might end up. So with that, we would be able to move things between different environments that we wouldn't be locked into one particular 3D. I, I kind of think that, you know, that, that we're so early in all of this that that we haven't actually figured out as a society what what is the technology we're going to run with. You know, we're kind of back in the days of uh, beta versus VHS uh, with, um, with a number of uh, potential solutions out there. But if we look at the ones that have prevailed typically in the past, they've been open, open uh, standards have, have generally led the way. Uh, another open standards uh, effort that's very exciting is one uh, also by Sun Networks. Um, and Sun Networks is working on a platform that they call uh, Wonderland. It's part of the um, uh, their general work in in three in three D, um, and they're billing it as a collaboration platform right now. Uh, but Wonderland is uh, being distributed under the GNU General Public License, and is a space that explicitly. Um, is being designed where it could connect with other grids so that it's not meant to be uh, a competing platform but rather uh, a platform that really uh, gets into something I find really exciting where we start thinking of what if there was a, a world of grids of grids and then we really are starting to talk about something that really begins to uh, feel like the 3D web. Yeah, that's really interesting. What else is out there that's uh, sort of contributing to that or moving toward that sort of more expanded vision of virtual worlds? Alan, you and I were talking about what Google's up to. They're always an interesting group to watch. Why don't you tell us uh, about some of the things that you've been watching with Google Earth? Well, definitely. I mean, for anybody who spent some time exploring uh, the world through Google Earth, it's it's to me it's got as much fun as flying in Second Life. In fact, more so because I like to find <laughs> real landmarks that I recognize and able to see. And between that and their 3D creation tools of SketchUp, um, they have a fair number of the pieces to build a, a 3D world. Um, next thing to add on top of that is the ability for people to have social interaction and, and share those spaces. And uh, we just came across um, recently um, the announcement about uh, Burning Man, um, Google Earth, um, in which people are invited to create their own Burning Man type uh, sculptures and artworks in SketchUp. Um, upload it and have it placed actually onto um, an overlay of the area of Nevada where Burning Man takes place and potentially the ability for people to be able to be there and experience this virtual art at the same time. So, you know, pretty much it's not prophetic anymore to say whenever, you know, Google moves into a new area, things are going to happen in a big way. It seems very likely that they're going to be in a big way in the 3D space, whether it's virtual worlds or um, some sort of combination of these current tools that Google has out right now. Yeah, there's some really interesting things about what Google is doing. I, I'd almost put it in the category of augmented reality. Uh, the, the main difference between what we're seeing with Google, I think, is that you don't actually inhabit the space. You, you, you merely visit it. 
um, whereas the tools that we've been talking about, uh, of course, Second Life and and Sun's approach, and uh, and then old old friends like Croquet, um, are all are all virtual worlds that you literally extend yourself into through an avatar um, and wander around inside. Whereas with the with the Google's approach, you can build and you can contribute and and all of that, but you do it. At a little bit of a distance, you stay on your side of the screen is the way that I like. Yeah, to but I, I do think that the way Google goes about things, they're looking for interoperability and um, leaving the doors open for developers to be able to um, add things or connect with that same data set. You know, all the add-ons that people have done with Google Maps and Google Earth have been enabled because of that approach. There's another. Um, there's another aspect of this that. That is interesting uh, because many of these projects, including Google Earth, are actively soliciting input from people on where these are going to go. Um, and so, for example, the Sun Networks uh, Project Wonderland, they have a wiki that you can uh, include your desired features in that and, and contribute to the conversations going on there. Similarly, um, with the Google Earth Project, they're looking for input, and they're looking for people to actually create content to, to help build out other experiences like what's happening with, with Burning Man. Media Grid also is, is one that's very much community-based and drawing uh, input from, from the community on that. Um, what I'd like to, to maybe think about as we, as we get near the end of our time today is, is some of the uh, more creative types of things that are out there. And one that's very interesting to me is Torque. Uh, Torque is, a, uh, a game, is described as a, a game engine. Uh, and in fact, it's used to build the virtual worlds that, that many games inhabit. But in fact, it is itself uh, more of a tool for building the virtual world than for designing the, the game aspects of that. Have either of you had a chance to look at, uh, at anything that's going on with that? I've, I've just read about it, but I haven't seen it. There's been about uh, 20 games that are commercially available that have been developed on this this engine. And if you go to Wikipedia and you look up Torque, T-O-R-Q-U-E, you, uh, you can get a list of them. And, you know, Dark Horizons and, and uh, Magicraft and, you know, the Mini Golf Mania. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, they all have the, uh, the unique... Um, thing in common that they were built on this platform called the Torque Game Engine, and it's um, it's something that that we're thinking very much on the NMC Virtual Worlds team about uh, learning a lot about because uh, we can see we can see some really strong and structural implications for standalone virtual worlds, as well as the ones that connect in grids like uh, Second Life or the what Sun or the Media Grid folks are looking at. Uh, more in the sense of what Croquet is doing, which is to build an instructional experience that is 3D and very, very rich, but uh, but more purely instructional than social like some of these other environments might be. Right. Well, there's a lot of things happening. And I heard uh, Croquet is... Yeah, they've uh, released 1.0, the, uh, the Software Developers Kit, the SDK. And uh, if you go to their website, there's a, a whole lot of information on where that project is going. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of uh, folks in the NMC that are members of that consortium. And, um, you know, we're always, we're always watching what's going on with that project because it's one that uh, offers so much promise, I think. Um, it's a pretty exciting space. It is I mean, an virtual exciting. worlds in general. Makes you wonder where we'll be a year from now. It does, doesn't it? 
It does. And so, you know, as we as we think about um, using the Second Life, and, you know, of course, we've been in it for more than a year, and the whole time we've been talking about that our goal in there is to really become uh, good at, at understanding how to use a virtual space as opposed to being good at Second Life. Uh, inevitably, um, what happens the more time you spend with a with a tool, you get very, very comfortable with it. And so we're really actively trying to look out and as these new platforms develop so that we can establish relationships with these folks and, and try to become part of their efforts as well. I think it's very important. I agree. I think uh, some really interesting things can happen when groups collaborate and, and connect together. It's so important with virtual worlds to have people there, you know, more so than the flat web. You know, it's the community that really makes it happen. Absolutely. So I think getting these communities to connect is a, a key step. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. If there's one learning outcome that I've had from our time uh, that we spent over the, gosh, for me it's been about 16 months, even though we launched the NMC campus a, a year ago, the one most powerful takeaway that, that I've discovered is how uh, richly engaging the social interactions can be in some of these spaces. And I think it really is the secret behind um, the interest in all kinds of massively multiplier uh, environments. And so I wouldn't limit it to just Second Life. The Second Life is unique because it really is not a game. It's whatever you want it to be. But I think that the same core, essentially human um, desire to be with other people is at the core of what's happening at Second Life and also what's happening in World of Warcraft. And I think you could extend that on down the line. People enjoy getting together with other people and wherever people congregate there are opportunities for learning and that's why I think it's exciting for us. Absolutely. And I, I, the the community built around that we've seen uh, specifically in, in Second Life with the Second Life Educators List, there's a conference coming up on May 25th that's basically mostly being organized by volunteers. The educational community um, gives a lot to each other. They, they're sharing resources they're you know giving each other help uh, it's just an incredible vibrant community there's a lot of them too um, the second life educators list has uh, over 2100 people on it right now <clears throat> and the nmc's own lists uh, related to virtual worlds are are, are similarly uh, growing at about 10 percent a week actually um, we're right now at about 4500 people on the that we can touch uh, either through what's happening on the NMC Campus Observer Blogs directory or through the directories that we have in Second Life. So the community is really, really large. It's it's only going to get bigger as well because the educational communities and things that we're seeing to grow up, the NMC has several of them ourselves, are providing people a way to get in at, at really low cost. So my advice, Rachel, is for everybody to continue to watch this space because I think we're right <laughs> at the beginning of... Um, of a period of time that is several year period of time that I think is going to be very, very exciting. I think you're right. It's good advice. Yeah. Hey, guys, I, th I think I have to go. I hear my avatar calling. <laughs> 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 well, thank you very much, Alan and Larry, and thank you, um, everybody out there in podcast land, for listening. I'm Rachel Smith. I drew the short straw. I was your host today. And please join us next time for the next NMC conversation. Bye now. Bye. Thank you for listening to this new Media Consortium podcast. You can learn more about the NMC and access more content at our website, www.nmc.org.